Welcome, everyone, to the show of requirements here on the Gazebo Effect podcast. It's David Gonzalez, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Spencer Price. Hello, I am here. Glad to be back. We actually have a name for the show now, which is fun. Yes, and we actually thought of it like 10 minutes after we recorded our last one, which was an epiphany moment, which is really, really cool. But Spencer, do you kind of want to share what this show is going to be about and what we're hoping to do in the future? Do you want me to share all we're doing in the future? Well, maybe a little taste. Why don't we just give them a little, a little butterbeer to, to in- ingest. And we do have guests as well. We'll get to them here in a second because they're just sitting around. I don't want to make them sit forever. <laughs> but yeah, so for this show, we're, we're exploring Harry Potter. Um, like Star Wars is experienced as well with David's show, we're trying to avoid toxicity as much as possible. Uh, we're kind of in, it's a rough spot to be a Harry Potter fan, I think. And so... Um, I just learned yesterday that Pottermore is down. I didn't even know about that. So Pottermore is gone. Yeah, it's wizardingworld.com now, in case you were wondering. So, but we're hoping to explore just the the world of Harry Potter. Today, we're going to talk about the Hogwarts houses. And just They're just kind of fundamental to Harry Potter. Um, some people kind of talk about them like they're the Enneagram of Harry Potter. I don't really like to think of them that way. But I think it's a great community to have in Harry Potter's your house or your segment. And there are American houses too, but we're not going to talk about those today. Later on, um, beginning of next season, we're actually going to do a writing room series for Harry Potter. I don't know if I'm going to say what it is yet, but we're working on it. I think that's fair. And then obviously there is discussion down the line of doing a Harry Potter literary cinematic analysis, but that's a big endeavor. So <laughs> don't want to slap a date on that just yet. Yeah. And so like Spencer said, we're going to be going through the Hogwarts houses, but with that, we have some special guests with us. Uh, so here's how we've decided to kind of do this. Uh, we have one person representing each house of Hogwarts. So I am the representative for Gryffindor. Spencer is the representative for Hufflepuff. And I'm going to let our guests kind of introduce who they are and which house they're representing. Sierra, would you like to go first? Sure. So I'm Sierra. I will be representing Slytherin House. And I'm Madeline. I'm here to represent the Ravenclaws today. So with that, Spencer, there there is an elephant in the room that you you believe that the author of Harry Potter has deliberately written a specific house to be a certain way. Would you like to share what that is? Yeah, I mean, like it's not Gryffindor, but I just feel like, and I would love your input on this too, but I just feel like Gryffindor is by far written to be the best house and the majority of the main characters are in Gryffindor. Like, there's very little love, obviously, for Slytherin. But there's not that much love or even, like, just apathy for Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. What do you guys think about that? Villain edit on the, on the Slytherin end of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, 
it's it's fair to note that Gryffindor is the house of the main character for one. So there's obviously going to be more exposure to that than of the other houses. It is to be said though that the individuals that we see represented from Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin aren't always shown in the best of light by J.K. Rowling. And so that that needs to be said, that we don't always see the best of the other houses as much as we see the best from Gryffindor. So, I think the, especially with Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, that were almost like sometimes an afterthought, I think like the three main Ravenclaws that I think of are not, not almost none of them are mentioned before book four. And so it's like, oh, I better put some Ravenclaws in the series. And then, I mean, there's, I, I'm going to get to it later, but there's not that many Hufflepuffs. And then like the only notable Hufflepuff really is Newt Scamander. And you don't really even see him until, I mean, obviously the Fantastic Beast series. So it's like, oh, now I'll do a Hufflepuff main character. Which is like, I guess that's fine. I was looking up uh, notable Ravenclaws for this episode. I was doing my research. And so like half of the list of stuff that I found was like unnamed Ravenclaw number three. <laughs> and then like their notable moment was that they dropped their notes in the hallway. And I was like, I, <laughs> I think Sierra should get some love here too, because it's like the few characters that are notable are just taken through the sewer. And the rest of them are just like bullies. Yeah, the list uh, the list of notable Slytherins are like became a Death Eater, and it's only got their last name because they were mentioned in that one book. And they were like so and so, so and so, so and so, all Death Eater families or whatever. And then uh, we also have our share of like the chunk of list that's like seen walking through the Great Hall in 1993, and I'm like, how do you? <laughs> I was like, how do you become a notable Slytherin figure because you happen to be seen? walking and you were given a name therefore you're established like that's very notable of you good job <laughs> i guess another question that's not really a follow-up but all of us have taken the the quiz that everyone takes right i think everyone here has taken it to varying mixed results can it even be trusted is it that accurate no nope not accurate mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not even going to give too much of an opinion on that. But yeah, go ahead, Madeline. I think I say no just because the questions themselves when I took it on Pottermore are garbage, first of all. Um, they're like head or heart. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder which houses those correspond to. But, you know, when I tested, I got Gryffindor. Like I just checked my page yesterday. I checked my wizarding passport um, to, you know, brush up on my wand characteristics and my Patronus Ooh. and... I was a Gryffindor and I didn't even realize that I had tested in that. You know, I retook the test yesterday just for the funsies because, you know, before we all realized that Pottermore had like the official test or whatever, there were plenty of internet quizzes out there that were super in depth. I took one that was, it took me like a solid hour and a half to get through. Oh my goodness. No, it was so fun though, but um, I loved it. But so like all of those precursors, gave me Slytherin and I was very confident in that answer. I said, yeah, you know, I see it in myself. Cool. Um, go take Pottermore for the first time. And it was like Ravenclaw. And I was like, listen, 
actually gnome smart. And I know there's more to it than that, Madeline. But I was like, come on, really? And then I realized that I hadn't even read the instructions for the what used to be the Pottermore quiz right in the beginning. And I was like, man, if I had read it differently, I would have answered differently. And then I was like, well, here we are. But I trust my wand and stuff, but <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> See, I only trust the house. Last night I tried to, to log into my wizarding passport and I realized it was my spam email and they tried to be so cheeky and they sent me a, they sent a code to my email. They're like, he's not gonna be able to log in. Little did they know that I was perfectly willing to open Yahoo Mail and uh, 9,000 emails that I've read on that main unread to find my wizarding passport <laughs> code. But yeah, I, I don't like anything. Like My house is good, but I'm like, sure, why not? My wand is 13 inches or something. I was like, okay. And then my, I think my Patronus is a chestnut stallion, which doesn't, I don't know why that's me at all, like even remotely. So, anyway, it's fine. Uh, Pottermore's kind of gone, so that's okay, too. I think R. one R. reason Pottermore. that we maybe get different houses on that test is because the defining characteristics of each house are not mutually exclusive of each other. So, Sierra, you are smart, and you do love to learn, but you're a Slytherin because that's what you feel. And, like, I tested as a Gryffindor because, I mean, I'll fight if I have to, but I'm really a, a Ravenclaw, you know? I absolutely agree. And I think that was a lot of what I came across in my research too. But let's get into the, the nitty gritty of this. Um, we're going to go through each Hogwarts house with the guests. We're not leaving them out to dry or anything, leaving each other out to dry. I mean, we're all kind of have varying amounts of Harry Potter knowledge. And so we're just going to try and go through. There's some, certain things that we're going to cover for each house, but it's kind of like if there's something we want to mention with this house, we will. And for the interest of time on one of our guests, we're going to have Madeline go first with Ravenclaw. So hello, uh, I'm your Ravenclaw rep for today. Um, in a very Ravenclaw characteristic move, I made two pages of notes in table format with bullets and sub, sub bullets. Um, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That is very awesome. Um. So first off is the location of the house. We don't get a lot of screen time or I guess read time for the actual house location in Ravenclaw, um, but it's in one of the towers on the west side of the castle. I feel like I remember reading that it was near the astronomy tower. Um, and so because of that, I believe um, they have stars painted on the ceiling and they have midnight blue carpet and it's all very just like mysterious. And like, you know, when you think of a wizard, he's wearing like blue robes with stars on it and he's all like frumpy and he likes old books. Like that's what Ravenclaws are, I think. Um, and so we know that for some of the other houses, you have to have a password to get into the house, but in Ravenclaw, it's actually a riddle. Um, and so you have to walk up and it's a, like a logic based question. And so Rowena Ravenclaw who's the head of the house. Um, who's the founder of the house. Sorry. She actually did that because apparently wizards, don't use logic a lot of the time, which Hermione talked about one time in a book. Um, so it kind of like stops them up. They're like, wait, what? And I think there was one question, which was like, which came first, the Phoenix or the fire? And Luna Lovegood, this was in the last book, she was like, well, I think the answer is that a circle has no beginning. So it's just reasoning and logic. It's not necessarily your knowledge of wizarding history or spells or whatever. So I thought that was really cool. Um, 
And then Rowena Ravenclaw, she actually has some tea in her history. Um, <clears throat> she Ooh. had a diadem that she made, and that's like the magical item for the house. She enchanted it and she made it herself in a way that like when you wear it, it would make you like wiser. Um, and so everybody wanted it. Um, she was that girl. And so her daughter, Helena, um, actually got super jealous of her mom and she stole it and she ran off into the forests of Albania, um, which I think there's some like non-canonical theorizing about why she went to Albania. It's possible her dad was from there. Um, and there's also some semblance of relationship between the idea of an eagle and the country of Albania somehow. Maybe it's in like the root words. I don't understand. But the eagle is like the house mascot, even though it's called Ravenclaw. Um, and she like hid it in an old tree. And then um, hundreds of years in the future, because that was in the 10th century, right? Um, Tom Riddle comes to Hogwarts and he learns about this diadem and he thinks it's super cool. And there's so much that you could get into with Voldemort's history, um, but we're not going to get into it just because it would take way too long. Um, and he like charmed her ghost because Helena is the house ghost. Um, right. He basically like flirted with her into telling him where it was. And then he went out to Albania, found it, made it into something. I don't know. I don't want to give spoilers. He did something with that, basically defiled it. And then she got real upset and it's this whole thing. But anyways, um, her Rowena, the head of the, the founder of the house, when she found out that her daughter had stolen her diadem and run away to Albania with it, she just was so heartbroken that she got physically ill and she was like on her deathbed and she sent out this guy who she knew was in love with her daughter to go find her and bring her back because she wanted to see her one more time before she died and he went out there and he found her and um he was like hey your mom wants to see you let's go back also I'm still in love with you let's get married and she was like I don't want to marry you I'm not into this I've told you several times and he got so mad that he killed her he stabbed her in the woods and he got covered in blood and he was so upset that he actually um, went through suicide and he also died. Oh my goodness. That ghost was the bloody baron. That's bloody why he's bloody. Baron, boys. I know so much tea. Um, but that I'm blood that he's covered in is his own and his crushes, which is the ghost of the Ravenclaw house. So they both haunt Hogwarts, which is super awkward. Um, oh my gosh. And so anyways, Rowena did see her daughter one last time before she died. Unfortunately, she saw her ghost in Hogwarts. And I think that was like the final nail in the coffin for her and she died. Um, That's like a hundred times worse than running into an old ex at the airport or the mall. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're here in this school too for eternity. Awkward. Honestly. Um, so the house is known for like their wit and their wisdom but I also found out through like some internet digging that they're also known for like acceptance of things that are not usual or like their creativity and their imagination which I did not realize but then I remembered Luna Lovegood and I was like that makes sense um she is my favorite Ravenclaw she's gotta be she's gotta be my favorite Ravenclaw um and I think I read on a website yesterday that Luna Lovegood, her name, like when J.K. Rowling was like sketching out everything um, as she was writing the book, she actually named that character before she named Harry Potter. So like she'd been in the works forever, but she wasn't introduced until a later book. And there's even 
a whole story about like the actress who played her and how she overcame an eating disorder in order to fill that role mm. and all this stuff. It's so cool. Um, but you know, some other members are like Gildora Lockhart, unfortunately. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. He was a Ravenclaw. <laughs> Just cause he was so like, uh, witty with taking people's history or something. Well, also he forgot about that. Let's not forget. <laughs> Obliviate. Yeah, he's so good at obliviation, like erasing people's memories. I guess that's enough. Like, Which is a charm, right? Which Ravenclaw yeah. is supposed to be really good at it. And then also, Ravenclaws also supposedly have really strong memories and are really good at memory charms. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It gets right in. You, you might not know this, but was Luna's father also a Ravenclaw? He Z- was. Zena. Xenophilius. 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 Yes. What a what a name. What a man. It's the name of my firstborn child. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, uh, my debut Professor, rap album. Professor Coral was also a Ravenclaw. You know, Ravenclaws are ambitious, and sometimes they go down routes they shouldn't. They get tempted, and they fall into the temptation and stuff like that. Um, Garrick Ollivander from Ollivander's Wand Shop. He was Ooh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he is. remembered yeah. every wand he'd ever made, right? Yeah. And then Sybil Trelawney, the um, prophecy, was it? She was, she was also the, she was the divination teacher. That's and she did the, but she also did the, the prophecy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did the prophecy, right? And then, um, so I found some history about that. I would and like to share. Um, so Sybil's great, great grandmother, her name was Cassandra. Right. And Cassandra was supposedly a really good um, divination person. I don't know the term. She could see the future really well. She was good at it. I don't know how much you remember of your Greek history, but there was a princess of Troy named Cassandra who um, (gasps) fell in love with and granted her the gift of prophecy. And then she um, was like, I don't want to date you, but thanks for the gift, I guess. And he was so mad that he cursed her that she would be able to see the future super clearly, but no one would ever believe her. And then in these Harry Potter books and in the movies, nobody believes Trelawney. Everyone thinks she's crazy, but yet here she is delivering the truth. So I thought that was mm. cool. David, I, David right I feel there. like we should have Cole here instead of me because <laughs> I'm the newbie no. on the Greek stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, yeah, but no, that's a good connection because obviously we're going through the Percy Jackson uh, read-through series, and we're we're talking about the Oracle as well that that makes prophecies seemingly every year. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty cool connection. That's pretty dope. Um, and I think the last like interesting information nugget that I have is the head of the house. Um, as of when the books were written and the point of the story when they were written is Phileas Flitwick, Flitwick who was also the charms teacher. Um, he's half goblin. I never knew that. Yep. He also looks different depending on what movie you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The earlier, earlier movies, he looked a, a lot older and I guess he used his charms to make himself younger. But he also, it's also, it's Warwick Davis who everyone, who's yes. so beloved. And he played. Yeah. He also played Wicket. all the. He played Wicket. He also played the goblins in Harry Potter as well. Mm-hmm. In Green Gods, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyone else have anything else to say about Ravenclaw? I do have one question to ask after. No, I'm I'm good. Okay, 
I think you've already kind of answered this question, but I'm going to ask it to everyone, including myself. But if you were putting on the sorting hat, and like Harry, you asked to be in a specific house, would you still pick this house? I think I would. I think I would just because that like genuine curiosity and like hunger for knowledge is just so refreshing. Maybe it's because I genuinely probably am a Ravenclaw at heart. Um, but I think that I would just because that energy is so good. I vibe with that. Um, but you know, Hufflepuff is tied. I love a Hufflepuff. So I'd be comfortable in either one, I think. All right. David? All right. Well, it seems to be my turn. So obviously I'm the representative for the Gryffindor house. So just a little bit about kind of the location of the house and where it's at. Obviously, it's also another one of the towers at Hogwarts. Uh, the entrance is located on the seventh floor and it's guarded by the fat lady who also uh, whose appearance has changed um, in the movies that is presented. Uh, she permits entry only after be given after being given the correct password, which kind of changes regularly. And it's actually pretty funny that Neville Longbottom actually had to write them out what the different passcodes were going to be because he his memory was just so bad and he could not remember it. Um, but behind her painting is like a large common room with a fireplace, two staircases that leads to the girls and boys dormitory. Here's an interesting thing. There is a charm on the girl's staircase that prevents boys from using it. However, there's not any enchantments on that staircase for the boys. Why? Uh, probably because the founders believed that the girls were far more trustworthy than the boys were, which I would very much agree with. But the common room, it's a comfortable place. And we see it a lot in the movies of, of just groups of Gryffindors just having study group celebrations or just relaxing and the walls are kind of lined up with portraits each one dep depicting a previous or current head of Gryffindor um, so that's pretty interesting now here's some cool things about the founder the founder is obviously Godric Gryffindor he is said to have praised courage determination and strength of heart above all other qualities and and also, when he was choosing students for his house, he was basing it on their daring and their bravery. Now, the interesting thing about it is that the founders were originally being the ones to select the students themselves, all four of them. However, the founders were kind of worried about how are we going to do this once we die? How do we keep that going? Well, Gryffindor took off his hat and in front of all four of them, or all four of them enchanted it so that way they could sort the students out long after they had passed away, which was then known as the sorting hat. So that came from Godric Gryffindor, which I thought was pretty cool. So he left that behind, and then he also left behind the sword of Gryffindor. Um, and these two items that were together shares a pretty unique bond that whenever a true Gryffindor needs it, the sword will present itself that needs to be pulled out of the hat. So it was able to acquire powers from whatever it slain, whatever was injected into it or whatever it touched only made it stronger. Proof being the venom that Harry Potter, when he defeated the Basilisk in Chamber of Secrets, 
it made it a tool to destroy Voldemort's Horcruxes. Uh, and so Dumbledore used it to destroy the Marvolo Gaunt's ring. Ron used it to eliminate Saladar Silurin's locket. And Neville used it to kill Nagini, which was the final Horcrux. So what are our values as wonderful, handsome, beautiful Gryffindors? Well, we look back to the Sorting Hat song in 1991. It says, you might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the heart, the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. So what does that mean? Well, basically, we're brave and daring, but also members of other houses, especially Slytherin, sometimes felt that Gryffindors engaged in pointless heroics. That not a lot of things made sense. And one of our famous and beloved Slytherin members, Severus Snape, considered many Gryffindors to be self-righteous and arrogant with no regards for the rules. Among that, a lot of people felt that Gryffindor got a lot of special treatment, which I can't argue against. I mean, think about the last minute points that we see in the Sorcerer's Stone to where they automatically got points and Harry gets in trouble but really if another student possibly would have done that or if any other student would have done the things that Harry did they would have been expelled and he's not and a lot of people could attribute that to him being a Gryffindor but more being the chosen one but apparently that's just been something that a lot of the house different houses have believed over time which is I'm not going to argue against that but with saying that you got to look at all the Hall of Famers that are in Gryffindor. You have Albus Dumbledore. You have Professor McGonagall. Even Hagrid before he got expelled. You have those like Sirius Black, Lupin, Lillian James Potter, all the Weasleys, including Hermione. Hermione. Um, but we also have some bad ones at times. I mean, the two that I've decided to choose was Peter Pettigrew, who obviously betrayed Lillian James Potter, and... I'm going to admit something that might cause an outroar. I have actually played the Harry Potter, like, Hogwarts mystery game that came out for iOS and, like, devices and stuff. And it's actually pretty fun. I mean, it's it's tedious. Uh, you do the same things over and over again. But I think it's pretty good. And one of the characters that is in there is named uh, Patricia... Uh, rake pick and she was a Gryffindor student who later on went to be like a curse breaker within Hogwarts so they had a bunch of these different kind of uh, like rooms and and hidden like chambers within Hogwarts that had a bunch of curses in it and so she would go and break the curses she later came back as like the defense defense against the dark arts teacher and was apparently using this being on the side of Lord Voldemort. So she, how does that story end? We don't know yet because they haven't come out with those with that content yet. So uh, I will come back with that once we once once we figure out what happened to her. In saying all that, we have a bunch of Hall of Fame Gryffindor people. But who is my favorite? I gotta go with Albus Dumbledore. He's probably one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter. I should have known. <laughs> I mean, why? Because 
of everything he achieved inside and outside of Hogwarts. He represented the Gryffindor name very, very well. Even the cases of being a little bit too arrogant with his abilities. And what do I mean by that? I mean by that he wasn't without his demons, as we understood in the Deathly Hallows. You know, his courage, his bravery caused him to to yearn for something more than he should have. And he had to sacrifice a couple of things, which is, I think, kind of one of the down, not downsides, but one of the characteristics that we shouldn't necessarily praise from a Gryffindor is the fact that they will leap into adventure and danger with, without really thinking of the consequences of their actions at times. Uh, but because of that, I think Albus Dumbledore represents the best of who Godric Gryffindor saw in a student, in a young wizard to be. Obviously, we know the head of the house is obvious is is one of my favorite, also one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter, which is Professor McGonagall. We all love Professor McGonagall, especially late uh, in the books. She was amazing. She eventually becomes headmistress, which is honestly, I would have loved to see that transition from Dumbledore straight to McGonagall, but it, it's okay. And you didn't exactly die part, at an opportune time for that, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I know, but I'm just saying in a perfect world and a world where amazing things can happen, I think that would have been a beautiful transition. But what, what kind of part does Gryffindor play in the story of Harry Potter? Well, it was the house that Harry was chosen. He chose that house. Um, and they had their good and bad memories and moments with Harry, but ultimately they supported him through everything, especially once Voldemort returned and they accepted it that Voldemort had returned because they were a major part of Dumbledore's army, which Sierra can kind of respond to this and I, I, I'll let her respond to this, which we see Hufflepuff students, Ravenclaw students and Gryffindor students but not a single Slytherin member joined Dumbledore's army. Um, that's just a fun fact for you. And Sierra, you can respond to that. Uh, but that's all I got on, on Gryffindor. I have a couple of things after Sierra. <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you'll remember, Dumbledore's army was started up initially by like Harry, Ron, Hermione, the crew, you know, um, our, our main people. Um, but also it was stated whenever they started it that it was just a small group of people that they trusted. Now, over the years, obviously, they're going to develop uh, friendships that are outside of Gryffindor House to um, like, like uh, several people like Cho Chang and Luna obviously made, made the cut and they're in Ravenclaw. Sorry, all of the Hufflepuffs leave my <laughs> leave my brain. I, I keep thinking of Justin uh, Finch Fletchy. Finch Fletchley. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. <laughs> His name messes me up. I don't know if he made the cut, but he's the only name that came to my mind. <laughs> he, he's in Dumbledore's but, um, army. You're good. Yeah, boom. Nailed it. But um, they had an inherent distrust of Slytherin in their, in their day and age. They, you know, one of the first things that happens whenever the Second Wizarding War starts is that all Slytherins are banished to the dungeons just wholesale. And, and I thought there was a few that stayed. It was like like maybe five. Yeah, like a handful of six-year Slytherins. But hey, that's more than none. 
I know, but like, like, but if you're going to like have your own little personal, Hey, we're going to take on Voldemort probably squad. Um, and you're handpicking people. Slytherins are going to be at the back of that list, like automatically. If you're Hermione, Ron, if even on like, the list, it... <laughs> they're not at the list. Let's be real. It's just like yeah, at the very end of it, not Slytherin. Period. The end. <laughs> so like, we weren't getting the invite. <laughs> we were chilling in our exquisite little common room and having a grand time, just not <laughs> in Dumbledore's army. I think a lot of the Slytherins' reputation is not earned per se. I think that it's perpetuated for generations point. and it's been asserted onto them. I think, you yes. know, I've heard Harry called the boy who lived or the boy, the chosen one. I've heard Jacob Malfoy call, called like the boy who wasn't given a choice. And so his parents mm. chose to be Death Eaters. He was sorted into Slytherin because that's what his family does. And, you know, I mean, he's part of the same family as Bellatrix Lestrange and Bellatrix Lestrange is the same the, part of the same family as Sirius Black. Sirius was the first Gryffindor ever in the Black yeah, family. Be, and he was born in the Black. And so, I mean, every single level there were people would have shunned him if he had not been, he was, you know, I think a lot of Slytherins just are back into a corner and then they fulfill that role because that's the only thing they know how to do. Yeah, they are a byproducts of their environment. That That is very much kind of the life that the Slytherins find themselves in, which kind of changes once Harry kind of establishes that, hey, you can choose whatever you want. There's kind of my counterpoint because Harry did not specifically choose Gryffindor, kind of going back to talking about Gryffindor. The words he said were not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And so I think the sorting hat put him in Gryffindor because there's such a it's not a fine line between Gryffindors and Slytherins. Like the ambition and the bravery can come from either side, I think. Whether, but like, like you said, you're a product of your environment. Yeah, I would definitely argue it's a different of motivate a difference in motivations um, that separates the two because they they both are ambitious and seek. Um, beyond themselves in some form or fashion. So mm -hmm. I definitely think that really plays into it. And the Sorting Hat definitely takes your choice into account. I mean, Albus Potter does choose Slytherin. And like there are characters that do beg the Sorting Hat just because the Harry is so crucial. And I think it's crucial to his story that he did not say, put me in Gryffindor. Like that was his destiny anyway. So I think that's kind of, a, it's, it's like, it's more of a pro for Gryffindor than it sounds like. Yeah. I, you're also 11 when you're sorted. Uh, I was an idiot when I was 11. And I think Dumbledore even said one time that they thought that they may have sorted too early. Uh, he said that to Snape, who, you know, was a force for good at the end of it. And he was a Slytherin, so. Speaking of Slytherins, I'm, I'm going to pull a Hufflepuff move and go last and allow Sierra to go next. Actually, wait, I haven't asked David his question, but I already know the answer. Would you the still would yes. you, you choose Gryffindor? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Goated. Moving Goated, on. I yes. knew you were going to say that, but I just wanted to give you that opportunity. Sierra. Homie said goaded. Goaded. <laughs> I'm deceased. All right. Well, it's about time we got here. Slytherin House, what's up? Um, so in case you didn't catch it in the second Harry Potter book or movie, the Slytherin common room is located in the dungeons. Um the common room is actually just called the Slytherin Dungeon a lot of the times and partially extends under the lake 
So that's why if you do watch the second movie, there's like a green tinge to the air and it's all dark. It's dark because they're deep below ground. And because due to partially being under the lake, all of the light that comes in, it's partially tinged green. Love it. It really suits us because our house colors are like green, emerald, and like silver. So um, in our common room fits that. It's black and dark green, uh, but it very like lavish, like dark wood everywhere, um, leather sofas. Like we live in the exquisite because it's what we deserve, darn it. <laughs> And our password changes every fortnight. So catch me in two weeks getting a new password. And uh, some of our decor <laughs> is <laughs> featuring famous medieval Slytherins. Fun facts. That would include Mer- Merlin if we're throwing out a uh, name, name dropping. Huge shout out. <laughs> shout out to my boy Merlin. Anyways. So our house founder is obviously Salazar Slytherin. And there is a very real and perceived kind of rivalry between Salazar Slytherin and Godric Gryffindor, because I I would imagine they were the most outspoken of the house founders. Uh, That's just my take on it because with, you know, Gryffindor being the courageous, brave, go get it kind of guy. And then uh, Slytherin being very proud and cunning in his own ways. Like I definitely see them going at it all the time headstrong personalities other facts about him um he was a pureblood if that's not apparent uh, by the storylines that he drives throughout the series known parcel mouth so speaking to snakes um i find it cool to remember that he's skilled in legilimens which is the ability that's really explored in order of the phoenix um when snape is trying to tell harry like uh, that voldemort is looking through the layers of his mind so that's that's what legilimens legalimency is is basically what we would think of as mind reading though wizards with the ability would hate it if you called them that mind readers so he was the og at that and that's probably why voldemort is so uh good at it later on because that's within his bloodline to be good at and obviously he's the guy that starts all the strife over being pure blood um, because he was pure blood and it's not out of an inherent hate or Muggleborns. That's kind of something I want to throw out there. It was more out of a distrust for them and thinking that they weren't worthy. So it's like they weren't trustworthy, but they also weren't worthy. He just thought that magic should be kept within magic families. And that that was really where it started. It, I think it grew into a distaste for them as that kept going. But in the beginning, it wasn't bred completely out of hate definitely became that but that's side story um our house values are cunning determination ambition and resourcefulness all non-inherently bad things sorry my entire spiel here feels like it has to be fighting the idea that all Slytherins feel are bad free to go off sister villain edit <laughs> go off just go off thanks because listen you think about it and Slytherin house gets this bad rap because you know, there's that quote where it says, like, practically every dark wizard has come from Slytherin House, which we find out at, w- through our stint with, uh, oh, there it is. There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. That's, like, the, like, summed up prejudice 
I think it's a blanket statement. Like, I don't think it's accurate. No, for sure. Because think about it. Like, like David said, Peter Pettigrew was not a Slytherin and he's the one that betrayed Lillian James. And then you have uh, people like one of my favorites is actually Andromeda. Um, what was her original last name? She becomes Andromeda Tonks, but, uh, and she's the mother of Nymphadora Tonks. She's also the sister of Bellatrix and Narcissa. Oh, Andromeda Black. She was in the Black family. Sorry, all the families just. Was Andromeda they a Slytherin? Go together. Yes, Andromeda uh, was a Slytherin. And she married a muggle. A muggle born, yeah. No, he was a muggle. Like, Ted Tonks is not a wizard at all. He's just oh, that's a muggle. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's why it's so huge. Oh, yeah, no. And she was completely disowned by the whole family. And she allies up with the Order of the Phoenix and is completely like, by the time our events happen, like, no one talks to her. Like, Nar- Narcissa will, like, talk about her sisters, but, like, never directly talk about Andromeda. And there's this whole, like, not like subreddit, but basically subreddit of people that talk about what would have happened if Draco had been allowed to, like, interact with his aunt, which would have been Andromeda. And maybe if that would have, like, shaped his upbringing differently. Because if you see, you know, everybody looks at Harry's arc of, like, becoming less reckless, more selfless, always courageous, whatever. But, like... Malfoy, like Draco Malfoy's struggle with the task at hand and how he's not really able to live up to those evil expectations that his family has for him, I think tells a whole nother story. Uh, Like what Madeline was talking about, about being a product of your environment and forced into these dark acts or whatever, because it is what is expected of you. And if you don't want to be disowned by your family, which you value above everything else, because you value being a pureblood and all of that, like you're you're gonna you're gonna fall in line pretty quickly with it, and it's like you also are eleven when you're sorted. We've pointed that out. So when you're eleven, you're pretty much a pure reflection of your family. So if your family has told you your whole life, "Hey, you're gonna go to Hogwarts and you're gonna be a Slytherin, and we're gonna be so proud of you because that's who you are, and it's your birthright, basically." Like once you get there, wh- where else are you gonna be put? That's that's all the sorting hat's gonna gonna go through but back to my my initial point here which was in a house that values ambition and resourcefulness and like the ability to get what you want by whatever means and a lot of people do take dark means for that um you will end up getting a lot of greatness and not all of that greatness is going to be great so i think it makes sense that so many dark wizards come out of Slytherin house because, you know, we kind of like linger on the dark arts because those people that are going to be willing to look at those forbidden um, paths of magic are going to be in the house that are go-getters, but don't care about society conventions and are willing to be resourceful and use whatever means necessary. So I think it's just inherent that those people would be drawn towards Slytherin versus the other houses so I think that like might it it, like creates the window for being dark but I don't think it inherently breeds nothing but darkness if that makes sense 
I think some of that is also true for the Ravenclaw house, which makes a lot of sense. When I read this thing online that described how competitive and ambitious Ravenclaws tend to be, it said that, you know, a lot of the times they backstab their friends uh, in pursuit of, you know, fame and knowledge and stuff like that. So it's not exclusive to your house. And I'm honestly surprised we don't have more Ravenclaw villains. It makes you think about um, Sirius Black at 11 years old, which, David, I don't want to put any teasers out for what we're doing later down the line but Mm -hmm. that he must have been something else at 11 years old to resist his family that much and go into Gryffindor yeah and that's something that we actually see and I love that you brought it up Sierra just about Draco's character arc especially towards the end once he's once he becomes a Death Eater and again he becomes a Death Eater almost not seeming it being his own choice but almost as this is what is expected of you because you're a Malfoy and his fight against that in Half-Blood Prince, he doesn't want that. You know, he thinks he does because he's grown up with that. And you learn at a very young age just to kind of fall in line with what your family believes. But when you're seeing something else, when you're around people such as Albus Dumbledore and you and you see Harry and his friends and the camaraderie that he has with a bunch of people, Malfoy doesn't, didn't have that. And so... His reasoning is like, okay, I believe this thing and this is what it's gotten me. Now, am I, am I, do I want that for myself? And he starts questioning it. And I think a lot of Slytherins don't get that opportunity either. Like they, they feel like these, these things are being said about who I am just based on that, the house that I was chosen in or however we view that so they they kind of fall in line with those expectations but it should be said that sierra davis is like my soul sister (laughs) and if she's my soul if she's my soul sister and she's a slytherin i'm a gryffindor like there is a way for that to coexist but in this world it just doesn't it doesn't work that way unfortunately Sierra, were there any other uh, notable Slytherin that you wanted to mention? I know we've talked about some of them already, but. For sure. Um, I mean, obviously Snape was uh, a Slytherin and a Slughorn, Horace Slughorn, both uh, Slytherins. They were also the heads of houses, uh, heads of our house for all of the time that the, the series really takes place up until 2016. So it was like Slughorn was there until 1981. And then for 15 years, it was Severus Snape. And then we go back to being Slughorn in 97 to 2016 for obvious reasons. Um, we've talked about the Bloody Baron. Uh, he was a Slytherin. And I mentioned Merlin, my boy Merlin. Pretty much all of like the Lestrange family, um, the Black family, minus Sirius, and uh, obviously the Gaunt family, which leads to the Marvolos, which leads to Tom Riddle. I like, I was going to bring it up. I'm glad somebody else already brought it up, but Albus Potter, she was a Slytherin. I was like, my boy. Mm-hmm. And then he's in Hogwarts at the same time as Scorpius Malfoy, which is, you know, uh, Malfoy's son, Draco's son. So I think it's cool that they're in the same house and at Hogwarts at the same time, because I feel a redemption arc coming on, but that's just my my head loving that um i mentioned andromeda black 
like kind of defect defecting somebody that doesn't really get brought up that I'm going to bring up because I think, I don't know, it's, is it cool to me? Yes. Is it necessarily a good thing? No, but I just thought it was cool while I was researching to find this guy, uh, Corvinus Gaunt. He's in Salazar Slytherin blind. And one of the things that was noted about him is that he had a little bit of experience in plumbing. And so I was like, what? Uh, and he's actually the guy that converted the entrance of the Chamber of Secrets into a girl's bathroom. Because while he was at Hogwarts, that's when the plans came about to add a like uh, intricate plumbing system to Hogwarts. Because before then, they were doing something else for bathrooms, apparently. And... Um, so I, I, I liked that fact because it pointed to the fact that the Chamber of Secrets wasn't always this big, elaborate plumbing nightmare with a giant snake in it. I mean, obviously the Basilisk was, was there. Um, Salazar Saloon raised it himself, fun facts. And in case, for those that don't pick up on it, because, you know, some of us are a little slow sometimes, um, myself included, the figure in the Chamber of Secrets with, like, the flowing hair... And all of that, that is uh, Salazar Slytherin's face because he was like, yeah, I'm going to make this gigantic statue of myself because I'm important. Was he right? Yeah. Was it the best execution? Not particularly, but you know, go off, sis. Um, (laughs) And then uh, our crucial role is starting drama (laughs) in in the series. No, really. Slytherin is the one that starts all of the blood quantum drama. Um, Not to get too far into it, but as a native, like I get it. (laughs) Um, He created the Chamber of Secrets and fun fact before it was a trap door that had all of these uh, magical tunnels. And I thought that was cool. Anyways, um, he bred the basilisk and put it into first the school of Muggleborns. (laughs) Bad ideas. Anyways. Um, and through him comes the bloodline that leads to good old Voldy, um, Voldemort. So we're, we're kind of deeply embedded in all of the plot of this. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. Um, but we're not all bad. I'd like to think I'm a decent person. I'm just a little ambitious. The only, um, one I didn't mention is my favorite Slytherin, which is Regulus Articulus Black. Oh yeah, regular. Super cool guy. But anyway, we're kind of running out of time. <laughs> but my God. it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm gonna talk about Hufflepuff. Uh, but first, Sierra, would you still choose Slytherin? Hundred okay. percent. I like snakes. I like the color emerald. It it seems to go well. <laughs> okay, let's right. the rapid amount of Hufflepuff love. Uh, The Sorting Hat said, You might belong in Hufflepuff where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Um, There are a lot of ties with Hufflepuff to Earth, Um, the yellow representing wheat, which I had no idea, but like, of course, Spencer, it's wheat. I would never have guessed that. Anyway, this makes sense because a lot of Hufflepuffs end up studying herbology or care of magical creatures. The emblem slash animal is a badger. The Hufflepuff common room, we're, we're also in the basement, probably not as low, but we're right next to the kitchen. And so there's like a stack of barrels full of vinegar. And if you tap 
the bottom middle barrel to the rhythm of Helga Hufflepuff, whatever that is, you get to enter the room. And if you hit the wrong barrel and mess it up, you just get doused in vinegar. It's just not pretty. And I don't think the password changes. So that's just interesting. <clears throat> it opens up to a big, wide, common room with windows that bring in a lot of light. There's a bunch of plants hanging from the ceiling. Um, as you can see, the plants behind me, you know, in this room. Got a lot of vibes here. And the basically, it's kind of like a hobbit hole, but it's in Hogwarts. So, And there's big, round, open doors that lead to the separate dormitories on each side. So it's so super cool. The founder was Helga Hufflepuff. Um, she really valued inclusiveness. So I think she's kind of leading the charge with Gryffindor in terms of accepting Muggleborns. Um, Hufflepuffs don't really value aptitude as much as the other as any other things as much as they value dedication hard work loyalty of course and just fair play and ironically enough they're very brave but they it's it's such a different form i mean look at newt scamander in crimes of grindelwald i think that's the best example of kind of a hufflepuff type of bravery for sure absolutely he doesn't want to get into it but he's willing to do what's right at the same time they're competitive but they're humble about it they're everyone's slytherin's rival at the beginning of the series but they kind of become gryffindor's rival especially with cedric diggory kind of lead making the hufflepuff quidditch team better in prisoner of azkaban r.i.p and then cedric diggory of course the triwizard tournament that's kind of the biggest that's kind of the only showcase of hufflepuffs in the original series uh notable hufflepuffs i've already said newt scamander cedric diggory I could have sworn that Theseus Scamander was a Gryffindor, but it says here he was a Hufflepuff, like his brother. Yeah. Um, Nymphadora Tonks, love Tonks, super great. Mm. Uh, her son, her Never. and Lupin's son, Teddy Lupin, became head of house of um, of Hufflepuff. There's a list of people that were in the, the DEA, Justin Flinch, ah, you, you made it say it wrong. Justin Finch Fletchy, uh, Susan Bones. She's related to a bunch of Bones that have passed away in the first Wizarding War. Um, they were in the original Order of the Phoenix, and then Amelia Bones was in the like the courtroom. Yes, mm -hmm. she was kind of the fair play person for Harry Potter, and she was also a Hufflepuff. Uh, Ernie McMillan. Everyone knows him because he hated Harry Potter because he thought he was yeah. the heir of Slytherin. And then, of course, he joined the DA, so, of course, he kind of flipped back. Um, Hannah Abbott, who later becomes Hannah Longbottom. Ooh. Ooh. She was also in the DA. Um, two ministers of magic. Uh, this person named Hengist of Woodcroft. They founded Hogsmeade. So, so A cool. legacy made right there. Yeah, seriously. Um, Zechariah Smith, but he sucks. He left he the does DA. He's the worst. Just blanket statement. Yeah. <clears throat> he's really our only bad apple. Like he's the only like Ernie McMillan for a few minutes, but Zachariah Smith is just the worst. And then uh, our ghost is the fat friar. He was executed because uh, by <laughs> yeah. the church because he was using healing magic. So he's a nice guy. He just likes to laugh a lot apparently. But love love a lot of this list. There's just a lot of cool people. Hufflepuff's known as, in the Battle of Hogwarts, um, the number of Gryffindors is obviously the most, pretty much mm. the vast majority of them, or above 13, I think is the age they said. Um, after that, it was Hufflepuff's that stayed the most. 
And so I feel like Hufflepuffs are kind of the, I came up with this joke as we were talking about other houses, but we're kind of the Star Trek red shirts of the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> like we're the ones that just die without names or anything. And I'm here for it. It's all good. I I'm really love the, for it. I'm here for it. Like <laughs> the humbleness, the loyalty. I love it. Professor Sprout's the head of house. Um, I think Neville might become the head of house after her, but don't wait. No, that wouldn't make sense. I don't know. Anyway, they play a lot of um, part in the Harry Potter series, just being that background kind of house. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Newt's commander is our kind of he's the lead he's, man. Our, he's basically our champion at this point. Yes. So, which is a proud champion to have. It really is, and I think every. I was going to say this earlier, and I'm sad that Madeline had to leave but she'll be able to hear this probably when she actually like when it actually comes out i feel like every gryffindor character has certain qualities that make them more like other houses and so um helpful puff it would be like neville longbottom or something like that but i thought man that's crazy that we have less time there but, there is something po- poetic about neville being in gryffindor because the bravery definitely wasn't there to start but once he gets to the end of his time at Hogwarts, it comes out. But yeah, it, it's very true that all the houses, especially Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, share a lot of those qualities together. But anyway, we're completely out of time. But just wrapping up, thanks, Sierra. And thank you, Madeline, for joining us on this episode. Um, I don't know if we'll do another Harry. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have another Harry Potter episode Um this year, but we're definitely going to be start January. You're going to hit get hit with a lot of them <laughs> in short yeah. succession, and they're going to be really yes. big and really fun. So thank Absolutely. you guys for listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving because I think that's about when this is going to release. And yes, we didn't have an ad today, but that's okay. That's okay. It's you okay. Know? We we'll, we'll do we're it. celebrating our guests. You know. Yes, it's all about them. But until the next time that we come out with another show of requirement. Mischief Manage.